Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity, tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. It is my honor and privilege to bring back onto the line Rachel Richards. She, at only 27 years old, she's a former financial advisor. She is retired, and uh, she's made a name for herself in the personal finance realm. So she's got a great story. If you missed yesterday's episode, go back and listen to that. Get yourself caught up. We talk all about her story and how she's been able to generate over $10,000 per month in passive income and retire before the age of 30. She also is the author of two best-selling books, Money Honey is one and Passive Income Aggressive Retirement is the other. So go there, go to her website, which is moneyhoneyrachel.com, grab a copy of her books, check out everything she's up to, and if you want a free passive income starter kit, she's giving that away again for free at moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. Rachel Richards, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mario. Good to be back. It's great to have you back. And one thing I want to talk about on this show, I think, after we've talked about like budgeting and all of that stuff to end the last episode, I want to ask a question. How would you recommend for someone who's an entrepreneur to create a budget. Because here's where I'm thinking. If you're someone who has a 40-hour-a-week job or you have you work a nine-to-five, you know what you're bringing in, right? You know what your income's going to be. Someone, especially someone who just enters the field of entrepreneurship, cash can, it can go from month to, it can vary from month to month. So one month, you might bring in two grand. The next month, you might bring in five. The next month, you might bring in 1,500. So when someone's in that position where their income is fluctuating while they get it steady, how do you recommend they manage their cash flow? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked because having that irregular income can be very challenging when it comes to making a budget. The biggest mistake entrepreneurs make or anyone with an inconsistent income is that they look at the av their average income over the last 12 months and they make a budget based on that. That's going to be a problem because some months you're not going to earn that much. So what I always tell people is look at your lowest income month in the past 12 months and make a budget based off of that. That way you always have every dollar accounted for, and then any income you make above that amount, that's gonna go straight into savings. That's almost like a bonus. So I would say do that first, and then the second thing is have a bigger than average emergency savings account. In Money Honey, I recommend having at least $1,000 set aside just for small unexpected expenses. And I would say if you're somebody that makes irregular income, you know, make that a little bit bigger, two, three, four, five thousand. That way, if some months you do, you don't make as much as you thought and you're going to miss your in, your budget, you can kind of borrow from that emergency savings account and then replenish it the next month when you make more. So you have, at this point of your career, 
you have a nice passive income that comes in every month from your rental properties, your books, different things that you're doing, your online courses. If you woke up tomorrow and all of that disappeared, what would you do? Oh, that's a good question. After, I, after the freak out, I'm sure there'd be a little freak out and that's normal. But then <laughs> what would you do to get back into it? Yeah. If I just, all my money sort of disappeared. All the residual just out the door. Yeah. I mean, luckily we have a ton in savings and that's one thing I tell people about passive income. Don't just make enough to cover your expenses, make even more than that so that you can continue to put money towards savings. So I have a little bit of buffer room where I have some time and I wouldn't be panicking. Um, but I think I'd probably, I, I don't, I think I'd invest in real estate. To me, that's one of the easiest ways to get started. And if I had a zero dollars, I would start wholesaling because wholesaling is where you can go out and, and find the deals and you put an offer in on the house and then you actually sell the contract to another investor. So you're just going out and finding the deals and selling that to other investors. I've seen wholesalers make five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 per deal doing this and you don't have to have any money to get started. And the other thing that's great about that is you can learn as you go and really get familiar with the market and what's going to make a great deal. So I, if I had $0 today, I would be wholesaling until I can generate enough money where I can actually have a down payment on my own investment property. The real estate market, just to be completely transparent, is something that's always kind of scared me because it fluctuates and it can go, you know, it can be really, really good for a period of time, then it can get really, really bad for a period of time. And you almost have to keep your finger on the pulse of that. How do you manage in the real estate sector? Yeah, there's a couple of things. First, I think investing in multifamily to me is always a great idea. I think it's a little bit less volatile because people that are purchasing multifamily are only doing it as an investment. It's not really driven from emotions and wanting to buy a primary residence. So I think it's less volatile. Also, when you have a multifamily, if one tenant is unable to pay rent or you have a vacancy, you still have other tenants in the building that are paying rent. So you your chances of ever having to carry the mortgage for a month are really, really low. So I think you know those two things can help you weather the storms a little bit in real estate investing. Um, but in general, I think investing in a rental property, it's kind of like the holy grail when it comes to passive income. You have the cash flow, you know, the passive income part of it. You have the equity buildup because your tenants are paying your mortgage and you have the tax benefits. So those are the three benefits. There's also a bonus number four, which is appreciation. But as you said, we can never count on that. We all saw what happened in 2008. So I always just include that as a bonus. Don't count on it. But if it happens, then it's great. But along with managing that property, there's a, a bunch of other things that go into consideration too, right? Is the, uh, the general upkeep and making sure everything's up to code, making sure that there are people in place to fix things when they break, all of those other things. How do you factor all that into the actual workflow of what you're managing? Yeah, I always tell people if you're going to invest in real estate, you have to have a property manager in order for it to really be passive. Because for most people, like the last thing I wanted to do was quit my job to, to become a full-time landlord. That was not interesting to me. So even if you're not going to hire a property manager right away, you're going to start out self-managing, which I think is a great idea. Build that expense in when you're projecting the financials for your investment and make sure that the numbers still work with the expense of a property manager. What are you most passionate about today? I'm the most passionate about empowering young women to take control of their financial future. 
And what does your daily routine look like when, when you have like the best day, when you go to bed at night, your head hits the pillow and you're like, today was a good day. I want to do that again and again and again and again. What does that typically look like? It's funny because I feel that way about so many days now. Um, when I quit my job, I had a little bit of fear that I was going to become this lazy person or sleep all day and everything. And I guess I didn't know myself because the opposite of that happened. And I was like working 80 hours a week, which I also would not recommend. Um, but I realized that I don't have a clear start and end time to my day anymore. I'm not going into an office and leaving my office. So that makes it hard to turn like turn off work mode sometimes. And then the other thing is when you do something that you're so passionate about and that you love so much, it doesn't feel like work. So I could be doing this 12 hours a day and be like, wow, that was a great day. Um, but yeah, I mean, a typical schedule for me now looks like waking up and I don't set an alarm anymore. So that's nice. But the sun wakes me up when it rises and that's, that's nice to wake up to. On so, average, what time do you think you get up in the morning? Seven. Seven? Okay. Yeah, on average. So I'll do, you know, a, a couple podcasts. I'll check in on my groups and on my platforms, maybe draft in email. Um, but then I just, I like to work on my projects, whether that's writing, whether that's an online course. I try to, or I've actually been writing fiction lately because that's been a big passion. So I try to schedule a big chunk of my day where I can just do those things. And, and that's basically it. I try to stop at two or three and then work out and relax. What's your writing process like? Do you sit, do you have like a special area where you sit down in a certain allotted amount of time or do you, and you do that regularly or do you just, whenever inspiration strikes, you go and you do, you write? Yeah, I'm more of a, when inspiration strikes person and, um, it's funny because I, there's a lot of professional writers that have a very strict daily ritual. They have words that they get to every single day. And I've just had to be okay with not beating myself up over my own writing practices. Because I think we can see other people being successful and think, I need to be like them. I need to be doing what they're doing. And for so long, I tried to have this morning ritual, daily writing practice. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just not a morning person. And there's no reason for me to force myself to be that way. I'm the most creative in the afternoon and in the evening. So if I want to write, that's that's typically when I'll do it. And I have really increased my productivity just by making that switch. So Rachel, you've created this pretty ideal life for yourself that you set out to create. You had this goal, you wanted to be retired, you wanted to be in charge of your finances, have them working for you. And you've done all that. What's the next thing? Like, what's the, like, I know you're loving life every day. You're doing what you want to do. But I, if you're anything like me, you're being driven towards something. You have a vision of something that you're moving towards. What's that vision now? Yeah. For so long, we had worked for this $10,000 a month. We had worked towards financial independence. Now that we've achieved that, my short-term goal is to relax, let my foot off the gas pedal for a little bit, and just enjoy. Because my husband and I both worked two or three years straight, 80 hours a week. It was just an enormous sacrifice. And now we're just trying to slow down and enjoy our life because we've really gotten to a point where this is the life we've always envisioned. Um, but then in terms of more long-term goals, I have always had this dream of being a best-selling fiction author. So that's what I'm just doing on the side for fun now. And, you know, just continue to grow my book sales, grow my book empire and impact lives. That's cool. And what I notice a lot, and I'll ask you this question to kind of wrap things up really quickly, but I know we talked about what happens if it all goes away tomorrow, but I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and at the beginning of their journey, they're just so hungry 
and that they're just trying to do anything they can to start to generate revenue, consistent revenue. And they think, oh, if I hit this number, then all my problems will go away. So they set that number and they work and they work and they work. Then they hit that number and they feel really good about it. But then their problems change. It's not that they go away, but now that they have that, they change to where they're they're now, instead of being stressed that they're not going to have the money, now they're stressed that they're going to lose the money. And so they go into this whole other side of it's still stress, it's still fear, and it just never goes away. It's either one side or the other, one side or the other. Have you caught yourself going, now that we're here and we're actually able to enjoy this, do you have any trepidation of maybe it going away, maybe going back to working 80-hour weeks, maybe looking at what you've gone through and being like, I don't want to have to do that again? Like, What's your thought, but where do you go when maybe that little seed of doubt creeps in? Yeah, and I've luckily been able to stay pretty confident and, and assured throughout this process, but I was challenged just a few months ago. Okay, so we have four passive income streams. Mm-hmm. What happens if we lose one or one of those goes away? And basically what happened is our rental income was significantly impacted by coronavirus and the crisis and everything. In a normal month, we're making anywhere from seven to $12,000 in profit from our rentals. In April, we made $1,000. Now, there was a lot of landlords that were worse off than me. There were a lot of people doing better than me. The way I saw it is if my worst case scenario was that I was going to break even for a few months, I was happy with that. But here's the thing. I realized in that entire period, I wasn't worried. I wasn't panicked. I was totally fine because I had all these other passive income streams keeping me afloat. So I wasn't having to operate out of this place of panic or desperation. And I think that's so important for people to understand. If you're 100% dependent on a single source of income, there's nothing secure or stable or safe about that. So I like to talk about the concept of income diversification, have multiple streams of income. That way, if something happens to one of them, you're going to be safe no matter what. That's fantastic. Yep. I I love that. Multiple streams of income, things happening so that you, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything that you did over the past couple of days. I've had so much fun having these conversations with you. I want to remind people to visit you at moneyhoneyrachel.com where they can grab a copy of each of your books, Money Honey, and the other one's titled Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement. Go grab a copy of each of those. And Rachel's also offering a free passive income starter kit, which you can find at moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus. All of those links can, of course, be found in the show notes. So check that out. Rachel, thank you so much. And let's definitely talk again soon. All right. Thanks, Mario. Hey, everyone. I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.